Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our series in Acts. We call our high school ministry Vox, the noise of youth. That's our tagline, because Vox means noise or voice. And, you know, teenagers are typically known for making noise and usually an obnoxious noise. Uh, But we wanted to turn that on its head and really challenge what is the noise that you're making with your life? What is your voice being used for? So that's why we call it Vox. And you're going to get to hear, like Willie said, you're going to get to hear more voices from our ministry coming forward this morning to help me unpack this passage that we're going to look at today. Um, And even though it's a unique weekend, um, a special weekend, we thought it'd be great to continue in the series that we've been covering in main service, which is Acts, the book of Acts. So if you want to open it up, we're going to jump right in where Nick left off last week, um, because Acts is a book of empowerment. And that's our message today. It is about ordinary people doing extraordinary things, because That's what we want you to receive today, is that no matter your life station, no matter what situation you find yourself in right now, no matter your age, whether you are young or older than that, um, God has more for you. God has more for you. You matter to him so much that he's just not done with you yet. There is more truth, more revelation, more healing, and more purpose that he still wants to give you. So don't count yourself out and miss out on it. So God, I thank you that we have this moment here to just dive into your word together, to receive from the community of believers. And I just pray that, Lord, truth will hit us and speak to our hearts and your spirit will just be made known in this place. So I pray, Holy Spirit, come and fall fresh in this place right now. Um, Fill me so my words are your words, Lord, and and fill this place that um, your freedom, your truth, your love is made known. We love you and we want to know you. We want to be changed by you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're diving right in, and as Nick left off last week, where we are in the story is that the church, which is the community of believers, this budding new community of believers, is growing rapidly, and they are facing a lot of opposition because of it. The persecution around them has just increased so intensely. They're being thrown in jail. They're just facing a lot of that. That's outside the walls of the church. They're hitting that. Today, we look at what's happening inside the walls of the church. And inside the walls, they're experiencing some growing pains. And that's what happens when you have more people coming together, rapid growth of any kind, there's usually some growing pains. I know this quite well at the moment. (laughs) Rapid growth leads to some quirky, weird feelings. So um, that's what they're experiencing in Acts chapter 6. It picks up, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Pretty simple, they have a caring ministry and they're not doing a very good job at it. They're supposed to be caring for the widows, which is something that Jews and Christians highly value is caring for the widows. God gave very specific directions to always make sure they're looking out for widows and orphans because 
there's no one else that's looking out for them. And so we know that this matters to them. They're just not doing it well. They didn't have Orville as the head of their caring ministry. <laughs> uh, this is what happens, though, when you have such rapid growth at a, over so quickly. You have a lot of people coming together. There's a lot more diversity. And you have a clash of cultures happening. Right now, it's a clash of cultures between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. The Hellenistic Jews, that's a fancy way of saying the Greek-influenced Jews. Okay, Hellenistic, it's the greek culture Jews. All of these guys, they grew up away from the homeland. They grew up scattered throughout the Greco-Roman Empire. Um, so they are Jewish, but they've been strongly influenced by outside beliefs and practices from the culture that they're in. They're, they're growing up in a secular culture. That's what they see everywhere around them. We kind of know how that feels, right? Um, that's their world. And now they've come back to the homeland and they've joined this church that is full of Hebraic Jews, which those are the Jewish Jews, Okay. They grew up in a Jewish bubble. They never left the homeland. They were right there next to the temple. So they were always plugged in with all these rituals and things. Everywhere they go, it's Jewish. That's all they grew up seeing. I have a friend, Rochelle. She, dear friend of mine, she's Jewish. And every now and then, she gets to go back to Israel, and she loves it. She's like, Jen, this whole place, the whole city, it's made for me. She's like, every store I go into, I can shop, everything's kosher, I can buy whatever I want. She's like, and then she goes, I can go into a store and they carry shampoo for my hair. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that was such a hard thing. She's like, you have no idea what a different cultural switch it is. And that's what they're experiencing. You have the Hebraic Jews who are the majority and the Hellenistic Jews coming into that, and they are bicultural, and there's a language barrier there. There's, they do things differently a little bit, and they're not treating one another the same way. And what we have in this scenario right here is that the vulnerable minority is getting overlooked and neglected and not treated fairly. It strikes me that even in this new Christian community that is experiencing miracles and wonders, they still struggle with unity. And that's something we need to work on. Because um, I think we're familiar with that. It seems that whenever we bring different cultures together and there's such diversity, labels can start surfacing. Labels like us and them. Us. People like me. Right? Or people that are different. If you're like me, then then we're good. You're familiar. You're known. I get you. I understand you. So I, there's more grace for you because I, I understand you. But the other, the, the other, they're so different. They, they do things differently. I don't get why they do that. It's unfamiliar. It's unknown. It's a little bit scary. It kind of makes you know, uncomfortable, right? And we don't love well when we're uncomfortable, do we? Mm. Uh, that's something that I think God wants to work on in, in us. I think that's something that makes Vivian's story so compelling for me is because Vivian, she saw a group of people that were being overlooked and neglected, a group of people that often make others feel uncomfortable, homeless teenagers, right? She says that she grew up doing homeless ministry with her family, but 
she noticed that the teenagers in particular, no one was paying any attention to them. They didn't get a lot of care or there weren't a lot of resources for them. And she found that interesting and odd. And I think it's because teenagers do such a great job of trying to fit in that you can't tell if the teenager next to you is homeless or not. They hide their struggles and you can't tell. And she noticed this problem. And what I love about Vivian is that she didn't think, man, somebody ought to do something about that. Instead, she took action. She saw this problem and she actually started doing something about it. She started a school, at, she started a club at her school. I'm so proud of her for taking action. Because I think, uh, don't we do that though? We, we tend to be really good at identifying the problems around us. We're really good at that. We're really good at being couch coaches, right? We're good at telling, of, of using our opinions and our us-them mentality to tell other people what they ought to be doing, right? Yeah, it's, it's easy for us to do that from our little comfortable positions, our little seats. Um, the truth is, is even when it makes us uncomfortable, we have to be willing to take action and do something. Because when we do, God will use that to do some very profound things. He does profound things with it when we take action. It was through that club that Vivian started that God started speaking to her. I mean, she said that God talked to her as she was doing that club, but she didn't get to tell you what God told her. She told me, I just, I want, it struck me so much. She's like, as I was out there, helping these teenagers and being with them and visiting with them, that's when God started showing her how much, she's like, God started telling me how much he loves me and not just me, but each other person that I see and I meet. She's like, I was out there with them and I could see their generosity and their faith and worshiping next to him at that worship night. She's like, suddenly we weren't I was here and they were there and they're the homeless one and they have these struggles. And I, she's like, it, God's love is the great equalizer. They are loved just as much as I am and God cares so deeply for them and for them to go through all these struggles and still feel such love for God and be worshiping so wholeheartedly. She's like, God's love is huge. That's what she was getting from that. And I love it because it was this secular club, right? She started it. It wasn't a faith-based club. It was just a club for homeless. It was this good thing, this altruistic club. But God infused it with a deeper meaning. He took this thing and infused it with more of himself and used it to speak to her. And it grew her and showed her a new calling and purpose that she wants to carry with her into the future. That's the thing about our God, is that for in God's hands, no task or role is mundane. I know a lot of you parents feel like chauffeurs, right? You like spend a ton of your time just shuttling kids to soccer practice and to and from school and all around, and you're like, this is what my life has become, right? Yeah, I'm talking to you. And if you go into work, those of you that just clock in, clock out, and you can't wait for the weekend, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to any of you that have those chores, those tasks that you just think, oh, I just need to make it through this. I mean, I thought that during my first trimester. <laughs> I thought, oh, I just need to keep eating. I just need to keep whatever I need to do to just keep functioning. 
it, just keep functioning, just make it through. And the truth is, is that God has something for us, even in those moments. I, I realized that I was missing it. If I was just trying to make it through my first trimester, I'm missing it. And I thought, I, I had to give God time and space. And I said, help me to see this the way you're seeing this right now. Because right now, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Help me to see this the way you're seeing this. And he showed me the deeper meaning of what was happening inside of me at this time. It wasn't just about me having morning sickness. It was about this miracle that God is putting together. And I know that he's doing that as you're dropping off your kids at soccer practice. I know there's the potential for that to be happening at every turn. Giving God the time and the space to say, okay, God, I got a rowdy kids in the back of my car. What do you see right now? Give me more meaning and more purpose in this task right now, Lord. Show me, because there's more for you. No task is mundane in God's hands. And I think the apostles realized that too. I think they came to the same conclusion that this task was not about waiting tables, but in God's hands, this was about a lot, lot more. There was deeper meaning here. This was about a group of people who felt overlooked and neglected feeling loved, a people that desperately needed to feel seen. That's what this ministry was about. And so they came to a solution of how to handle this problem. And their solution was to empower more people to take action. It says, the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Their solution wasn't to just try and do more. Oh, we got another problem. We got to help. Go do that. Oh, we got... Because they knew that if they turned their focus inward and tried to, to solve all the problems themselves, that they would miss out on their calling, which was to go out and preach the word and, and to, to spread the gospel. And so... They pulled people off the sidelines and let them play. That was their solution. And do you see who they picked? Did you notice who they picked? Maybe you were distracted by that weird list of names. <laughs> if any of you are like me, do you ever dread that moment when you are assigned to read a Bible passage and it's full of like all these awkward, super hard to pronounce names and biblical places? Yeah. So that was really cool to have to make it through that list. But... There's a great deal of purpose in that list because by those names, those names alone, you can tell where those people are from. You can tell a lot about them just by their names because those are all Greek names. They're all Hellenistic Jews. That's who they chose for these new leadership positions. From the group that was feeling left out and overlooked, they turned to that group to find their next leaders. They said, who better to look out for these people than some of the people that can represent them the best. So they picked bicultural people from that group. What a better way to say, is there a better way to say you're included? Right? That's what their solution was, to empower more people to take action. And it's because these men are Greek cultured and bicultural that they're best suited for this role. 
they bring something to the table that uniquely fits this need. And God will do something profound in their lives because of it. And we'll see that in the chapters coming up. We see that with Stephen and Philip. But God also does something profound in the community because these men are empowered and and there's more people taking action. It says that the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The kingdom of God is growing. The gospel is spreading and lives are being saved because more people are bringing what they have to the table and taking action. Because they're willing to do that, God can use it. That's something I don't want us to miss from this passage, is how each one of us has something to contribute. Each one of us brings something to the table. Because we're all the body of Christ, and it says that we are all vital members of that body, and we each contribute something. One of us is a a hand, somebody's a foot, somebody's a baby toe over there, but we all need... (laughs) We all need each other. We all bring something to the table that the kingdom of God needs, that the body of Christ needs. To just show you that, to speak to that a little bit, I thought it'd be great for you to hear from one of our Vox leaders who brings some unique, awesome skills to our high school ministry. And that someone is Eric P. Johnson. Come on out. Awesome. So Eric, how long have you been involved in high school ministry? Uh, I've been involved in high school ministry here for, I think, about four years, and then four in junior years. high ministry for um, several years before that. So, yeah. Isn't that awesome? It's super great. A lot of energy it takes to do junior high and high school, so very cool. What made you get involved in high school ministry? Well, uh, I'm a biologist, and when I was in high school, I was a Christian, but I started to be interested in science. And um, at the time, there weren't that many resources for somebody like me to figure out Mm -hmm. how to integrate those two things. And my youth pastor couldn't really help me. So I started researching that, buying books and looking into that and and, um, went to college at UCSD and continued to look into that and talk to people and get more books. And um, I was involved in university and we had, I had speakers come and talk to us about those same things. Uh, and I ended up going to graduate school there also, so I was there for 11 years and really learned that um, the university can be a difficult place for Christians. It's, it's a hostile environment. A lot of people are not believers, and they try to discourage believers. But I really came to a place where I felt like um, very comfortable with the idea that Christianity and science can coexist exist very well. And I became very comfortable with that. And not only that, but I wanted to start helping other people's to, uh, people to think about that too. So I went to L.A. and taught for a year, and then I came back here and got involved in this church. And as I got more involved, it became my passion to um, help high school students who are going off to college soon to start kind of pre-thinking about some of these things so that they, they would know that, that they don't have to be threatened by the things that they're going to face in college, that they can have confidence in the, in the truth of things that they learned here. That's huge. Right? <laughs> It's such a valuable thing that Eric is bringing to the table. I mean, I know that you're thinking, gosh, I thought a high school leader had to be, you know, a guitar-playing, ripped-jean, spiky-haired, cool person, right? Eric? I'm not cool. That's true. Thank you. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Eric is super cool, and he plays the bass, by the way. So. (laughs) But but truly, I mean, you, you might be sitting there thinking, 
oh my gosh, he's a micro a molecular biologist, and and yet his what he brings to the table vastly helps our ministry. Their apologetics is a huge need, and. He brings that to the table and contributes it and constantly reminds us of the need to make sure that we're helping students understand the world around them and how their faith is not in a bubble. It it applies everywhere. And Eric brings that, and I love that. You bring so much to us. What are you getting out of all of this? Well, Wednesday mornings have become my favorite day of the week, or Wednesdays, because I I meet with my men's group in the morning, um, Mike and Jorge and Bill, and we talk about things, and and I get a lot of good input from them. And then Wednesday nights is when Vox meet and we break up into groups and we meet with small groups and I get to um, talk to the students about the things they're dealing with. And several times students have said, I'm struggling with something that I heard in science class or something else about Christianity. And we get to talk about that. And um, getting to, to see uh, uh, young men and women develop uh, from the freshman year to the senior year and how they become people who are, are, are ready to engage their world uh, with, with the gospel. It's really rewarding. That's why, I mean, Eric's faithfulness to our ministry, being here for four years and longer, it, it allows you to actually see that transformation, because mm-hmm. there's a big difference between a freshman and a senior. There is. There is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> we are very grateful for you, Eric. Thank, Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I, I love that Eric brings that to the table. And he builds relationships with students, and because of that, there's this friendly face that they know that they can always ask questions to and, and turn to. I mean, he was even in in and out last week, and a student stopped him and said, hey, we just talked about this, and it was very confusing for me. And he sits there and has a 10-minute conversation, because there's that relationship there. And um, for me growing up, my youth group, the church that I was in, we couldn't keep a youth pastor. Every year that I was in high school, we had a new youth pastor. It was so unstable in our leadership in that regard, and that could kill a group easily. It could just cause it to dissolve and and flounder. But instead, we had parents and volunteers from the church who saw the need, and they just stepped up, and they said, we'll keep the doors open. We'll show up, and our stability and our consistency, our presence, that kept the doors open. And they didn't know what they were doing, and they turned to us students and they said, what do you want to do? What's on your heart? What, what, how do we know Jesus better? And honestly, they just turned to us and they empowered us. And they let us students just run with things. It's crazy. We were, we were planning high school retreats, like full weekend retreats and lock-ins and youth group nights. I mean, I, sometimes I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe they let us do the things that we did. Uh, but then there are days like this that remind me how young hearts and minds are so capable. And that's why they let us run with things, because they saw us and they just empowered us. And they said, you, God's in you too. What do you, and, and just, guys, it changed my life. It changed my life to have people believe in me and see things in me and encourage me. Later on, when God started talking to me about going into full-time ministry, I had a whole community of support of people who believed in me who could confirm that for me. It changed me. It changed the trajectory of my life. People like Eric, it's so important what they do. Um, when we give our times, when we bring what we have to the table, it really can make such a difference and impact people far beyond what you realize. Now, I know 
that some of you are sitting there right now listening to all this. You heard Nick last week talk about the need and, and how we need to get out there. And then you're hearing this and, and talking about being empowered and getting out there and, and, and getting involved and bringing what you have to the table. I know you're hearing all this and you're like, that sounds great, Jen. But don't you realize that volunteering and getting involved is a luxury, <laughs> One day, maybe, I'll have more time, more money, more energy, more whatever, and then I'll do that. Then I'll go on that mission trip. Then I'll do all these things. I know that's what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, you don't know what it took me to just get to church this morning. (laughs) That I, it was just in over my head with my life right now, the demands on me. I know some of you are thinking, I don't have a moment to myself, let alone a moment to give to somebody else. I cannot take on one more thing. And then there are some of you that are thinking, Jen, you don't know how broken I am. You don't want me to get involved. I'm a mess. My life is a mess. There's no way that I, I need healing. I, I can't be out there doing anything for somebody else right now. And to that, I want to bring out one of our students to speak to that. She's 17 years old, and she's a junior in high school. Miss Megan Roper, come on out. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name's Megan. So I've grown up in this church, and I've always believed in God, uh, but I never really got to experience him, and I never fully understood what his love was like. And then the first time I really heard from him was about a year ago when God told me to go to India and he told me to go and love on the people there. And right before I went on the trip, I had these thoughts in my head like that I shouldn't go, that I'm not prepared or equipped. Like how can I go on this big trip to another country with a group of people that I didn't really know? I just, I was scared. And then God told me, that I was going to do it and that I would be okay and that he would equip me and he would prepare me to go. So I went and it was the best thing ever. I want to go back so bad. And that country will always be on my heart. And when I got back, I was so stoked because he did amazing things for me there. But I was also distracted. I was distracted by the start of school, the end of summer, my friends, so I wasn't really hearing or listening to God. And then a lot of confusion and questions and heartbreak started to enter my life when school started. And I was really hurt and confused, and it was really hard. Um, I started noticing that God kept giving me things to do and people to talk to at church and at school that made me realize who God is. So because of that, I continued to involve myself here. And I started interning for the church, for the high school, and I started volunteering as a leader in the fourth through sixth grade room. And as I did these things, I felt like maybe I shouldn't because of my circumstances And because I was struggling, I felt disqualified. And I felt like I was the one who needed to be poured into and not the one pouring into others. And that's when things really started to change in me. I continued to volunteer here, and I surrounded myself with a family and a community of friends and mentors and believers. And church became my safe place. It became the place where I found peace and I found love, and it's my favorite place. I wish I could spend 
all my time here. And I slowly began to open my heart up to my friends. I slowly began to let them know about what was going on and what I was going through until eventually there was no one left for me to talk to vulnerably about it except God. I had to open up to him. And when I finally did that, this wall that I had in my heart that I didn't realize was there came down. It was gone, and I felt weightless. And I was filled with so much joy. And I was filled with this truth that God loves me. And not just that he loves me, but that he loves everyone in the world. That is so many people. That's insane. I was in my room, like, realizing this at, like, one in the morning, and I texted my best friend, and I was like, God loves us. And she was like, yeah, yeah, like, go to sleep. Why are you awake? And so in that moment, my problems didn't change. They were still hard, but I changed. My heart changed, and I wanted to tell everybody. I just couldn't shut up about it. And about a month ago, at the church's winter camp for high schoolers, God had, did, had done so much in me that I felt nudged to go and pray for this girl that I didn't even know. And after that, he kept shining a spotlight on various people throughout the room, and I had to go pray over them. And as I did that, the words coming out of my mouth were not from me. They weren't processed or thought through my head. They were from God. And he was telling those people exactly what he needed to hear through me. It was amazing. And at this point, the Holy Spirit was just pouring out of me, and it hasn't stopped since. I'm standing here today, never really thought that I would be on this stage talking to all you guys about this. So it's amazing. And what I've realized through this is that when we are sharing the grace and the radical love of God with others, we don't need to stand on a stage like this and share it with thousands of people. We don't need to wave a Bible in people's faces. We can do it one-on-one. Because when you do it one-on-one, you're changing that person's life. And then that person is going to go and change another person's life. And so on. Pretty soon, because of that, we'll have this massive army and a revolution for God because we are capable, despite the things that we are going through, have gone through, or will go through in the future because he's with us. God does not give us things because he thinks we'll fail. He gives us things because he knows we'll succeed, because he's with us, and people are going to notice that. People are going to be inspired by that. They're going to want to go out, and they're going to want to make a difference because of us. God is equipping us to handle our situations, and all we have to do is let him in, and he'll use us in our problems for greater things. We can be world changers. We just have to step out and have courage and let him in and let him through our hearts. He will work through us and around us, and we can make a difference despite what we have gone through. Look at what can happen when you empower people. 
And Megan's words are true. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in right now. It doesn't matter your struggles. It doesn't matter the healing that you think you are needing right now. It doesn't matter because God sees you and he knows what you need and he wants to speak directly to your heart and help you right where you are right now. He's not talking about someday. He's talking about right now, today. He has more for you, more truth, more purpose. Right where you are in your tired, worn out, overwhelmed, broken state. Because it's not, it's not about adding one more thing to your plate. It is not about racking up achievement points in heaven or checking that box of good deeds. It is about you opening yourself up to let God teach you more, to let him give you revelation, to let you, him give you his eyes, to let him change you from the inside out. It's about getting to see your life and your world from a new divine perspective. And there you're going to find your identity. There you're going to find meaning and purpose. There you're going to see how God has uniquely created you to bring something to the table that you are uniquely called and created. I mean, when Paul wrote Ephesians 2.10, when he said, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works with God, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, he meant every single one of us. You have been created by the master artist as a masterpiece, his workmanship. You were created and made and called and he delights in you and he sees you. You matter to him. And he says, I have something for your life. You were created to do more than what you're doing right now. You do not get a rain check on letting God transform you. You don't get to put that off for a time when you feel like you've got the time or the money or the, when you're younger, when you're older, when your kids are grown, when they've graduated. You don't get a rain check because God wants to transform and empower you right now. That's his business. I mean, if you're worried about, I'm not healed up enough, guess what? Healing is a part of the journey. You are gonna heal as you go because as you speak truth over other people, you start receiving that truth more and more for yourself. You are changed as you change other people, so you don't get to wait. Remember, that is God who transformed and empowered doubting Thomas and, and murderous Paul and demon-possessed Mary Magdalene and the scandalous woman at the well and, and the conniving tax-collecting Zacchaeus, right? That's the business our God is in. Whatever your relationship is with him right now, whether you've been walking with him for years or whether you're just getting acquainted with him, he has more for you. I love that he has more for us. I love that I have known him for so many years and yet he still looks at me and he goes, I have more for you, Jen. There's more truth I need you to see. There's more things I need you to realize about who I am and who you are. There's more things that I want to challenge you with to make you feel a little uncomfortable because I'm calling you to more. I've got more for you. He is not done with you. He has purpose in where you are right now. Are you willing to step up and get a little uncomfortable and bring what you have to the table and let him use you? The kingdom needs it. 
Our community needs it. This world needs it. So step up. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.